Well, good morning, Gospel Hope, and happy Father's Day. And we're excited today to talk about a topic that is particularly relevant to fathers, namely wisdom. So we're going to be diving into Proverbs chapter 2 today, but before we look at God's Word, let's pause for a minute and ask for the Lord's help. Father, we thank you so much that you have sent your Son into the world to give us wisdom, Lord, to show us how we should live to enable us to follow you. Lord, we thank you that you are the ultimate Father and that through you we have an example and we can follow in your footsteps. I pray today that you would cause us from your word to become more wise. Deepen us in our appreciation for your wisdom and help us to seek it and share it with others. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In a USA Today news article entitled Dad, uh, children were asked some of their father's favorite sayings. So I'd like to share just a couple of them with you here and listen to these pearls of fatherly wisdom. First of all is this, always throw away the box when you take the last piece of candy. Now, that's very wise. A closed mouth gathers no feet. Uh, again, a good statement of wisdom. The second time you get kicked in the head by a mule, it's not a learning experience. And finally, probably my favorite one, don't be foolish just because you know how to. Um, you know, maybe these pearls of fatherly wisdom do not provide guiding principles for life, but they do remind us of something, namely that wisdom is meant to be passed on from one generation to the other. Uh, fathers are meant to take the wisdom that they have and instill it into the next generation. In fact, when you read the scriptures, this is primary to the job description of fathers. For instance, we read in Deuteronomy chapter 6, this famous passage from God's word. These words that I'm giving you today are to be in your heart. Repeat them to your children. Talk about them when you sit in your house and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. In other words, God's wisdom is to always be on fathers' hearts and passing them on to their children. Or we read in the New Testament, Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 4, Fathers, don't stir up anger in your children, but instead bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The idea is simply this. True wisdom must be sought and shared. That, that's really our approach to the wisdom of God's word, that we are to seek it out and then we are to share it with others. But the the distillment of wisdom to the next generation is not just the job of fathers. It's the job of everybody who wants to follow the Lord, especially in uncertain times like these. I know in my heart, and I bet this is true of you too, over the last few months, as all of these strange events and unusual times have been unfolding, one of the common prayers in my heart has been this, Lord, I don't know what to do. Please give me wisdom. Can you identify? Fortunately for us, that's a prayer that God promises to answer. We read over in the book of James, the simple and beautiful promise of James chapter one, verse number 27. Now, if any of you lack wisdoms, he should ask God who gives generously and ungrudgingly and it will be given to him. So if you're a parent, or if you're a grandparent today, trying to take wisdom and pass it on to the next generation, or if you're just a person trying to make it in this time of uncertainty, I believe that there is great, great hope for all of us because James reminds us of this beautiful truth, namely 
the giver of wisdom is generous. When we lack wisdom, God actually invites us to ask. He says that he will give it to us and he won't even grudge us or scold us for asking him. The Lord knows that we are unwise and foolish people at times and that we need his wisdom and he has promised to give it to us. Look, I know that the world has taken an extra dose of crazy right now. But child of God, your heavenly father is not trying to trip you up. He's not trying to trick you or manipulate you. He's not mean. He actually wants you to ask him for wisdom so that he can give it to you. Or, or to put the idea very succinctly, the foolishness of the world should drive us to the wisdom of God. And we are seeing some foolishness in the world right now. It is a confusing season to live in. And yet, all the more, that is why we need to seek wisdom from God himself. Which leads me to my point this morning. We must seek and share true wisdom from God. We must seek and share true wisdom from God. Fathers, your children in this season don't primarily need you to be successful. They need you to be wise. Friends, your sphere of influence, the people that you rub shoulders with on a daily basis, they don't need you to be an expert on every cultural topic right now, primarily. Fundamentally, they need you to be speaking truth from God's word. Young person, you don't need to be popular or cool or well-liked or accepted in order to navigate this strange season that we find ourselves in. Fundamentally, you need to be a person of true wisdom. And fortunately for all of us, we are not left to kind of blindly grope in the dark to find wisdom. In fact, as you look in the Bible, there are whole sections of scripture that has been called the wisdom literature. And the, the book of the Bible that is probably most famously known for its wisdom is the book of Proverbs. So in the next few moments, I'd like to us unpack Proverbs chapter 2. And I want to give you four reasons this morning why we should tr seek true wisdom from God. So the question I'm simply asking is this, why wisdom? Number one, because wisdom is valuable. Why wisdom? The value of wisdom. As this passage begins, Solomon urges his son to seek wisdom. Notice what it says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 1. My son, if you accept my words and store up my commands within you, listening closely to wisdom and directing your heart to understanding. Furthermore, if you call out to insight and lift your voice to understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it like hidden treasure, then, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and discover the knowledge of God. As you can see, Solomon is not suggesting some sort of like half-hearted scan for wisdom. Ah, uh, I could take it or leave it, whatever. It doesn't really matter. It's not a big deal. No, no, Solomon here is urging an all-out dogged pursuit of the wisdom of God. Look at all the words that are included there in the quest for wisdom. It, it, it says this, store up wisdom, listen closely, direct your heart, call out, lift your voice, seek, search. So why all the intensity? Why is Solomon calling his son to search for wisdom so diligently? Because to Solomon, the idea is simply this. Wisdom is a priceless treasure. 
Its value is incalculable. You cannot get enough wisdom or overestimate its importance. So Solomon calls his son to search with all that is in him for wisdom. And this theme occurs throughout the Bible and particularly in the book of Proverbs. We read over in Proverbs chapter 3, Happy is the man who finds wisdom and who acquires understanding. Why? For she, wisdom, is more profitable than silver, and her revenue is better than gold. She is more precious than jewels, and nothing you desire can equal her. Wow, that is a that is a hearty statement of the value of wisdom. Or even more succinctly, over in chapter 4 of Proverbs, verse number 7, wisdom is supreme. So what? So get wisdom. That's the counsel of the wisest man on earth. Wisdom trumps everything else. So go get it. Look, if we are to become truly wise, we must begin to see that wisdom is valuable. Perhaps an illustration will help. Here's what I want you to do with me right now. Everybody do this. I want you to take a deep breath in. Now blow it out all the way. Now hold your breath. Start to get uncomfortable there, right? And and as you're holding your breath, what happens? Well, your lungs start to burn a little bit. Your your body almost involuntarily takes a breath because why in that moment air becomes a valuable commodity it's something that you desire not just in your mind but with your whole being and i think that's what solomon's point is here that if we are to become truly wise in god's sight wisdom to us must become a treasure it has to be valuable to us we must long for it we must crave it this ought to be our attitude towards wisdom at all times. And yet here's the sad reality. Many times we don't often seek and share wisdom because simply other things become more valuable to us. And we can allow sports or politics or finances or work or image or entertainment or family to crowd out a place in our heart that only God should occupy. I'm certainly not saying any of those things are bad. In fact, many of those are very, very good things. They are gifts from God's. But church, listen to me very carefully. The enemy of the best is often the good. The enemy of the best is often the good. That is, we can let good things get into our life and we begin to value them more than the best thing, namely the wisdom of God. Listen, I don't mean to be morbid, but here's a sobering reality. Unless the Lord Jesus comes, all of us listening to this right now will die. There will come a day when we have a funeral and people are standing by our casket and saying nice things about us. The question that I would ask all of us is simply this, what will people say in that moment? I don't know what all people will say, but I know that when my kids stand beside my casket, I desire them to say just a couple things. I hope they'll say, you know what? 
my dad loved us. I hope they see that, that I love them with all my heart. I hope they say something like, you know what, my dad loved our mom. I hope they see that my wife is a priority to me. But above all else, my earnest desire, and I think I failed as a father if my kids don't walk away saying, you know what, but above all other things, my dad loved God and his word. I think that's the path of true wisdom. I, I long, I hope that I'm living for a day when people will say the most important thing in Ryan's life was God's wisdom, his word, the work of his son, the beautiful glory of his characters. Church, if we are to be truly wise in God's sight, we must see God's wisdom as valuable. But that's not the only reason we should seek wisdom. Not only should we seek the wisdom of God because we see its value, but we should also seek the wisdom of God, number two, because of the source of wisdom. You say, Ryan, what do you mean by that? Well, true wisdom, real wisdom that matters in eternity comes from God himself. Look at what it says in Proverbs chapter 2, verse number 6. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Since the beginning of human history, there has been a war of wisdom. On the one hand, the Lord has said, wisdom comes from following him, submitting to his word, obeying his commands. And on the other hand, Satan has been offering a counter view of wisdom from the very beginning of human history, saying that wisdom comes from calling your own shots, doing your own thing, being your own king. We see this on the very first pages of scripture. At the fall of man, we read in Genesis chapter 3, verse number 1. Now the serpent, that's Satan, was the most cunning of all the wild animals that the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you can't eat from the tree in the garden? The woman said to the serpent, we may eat the fruit from the trees in the garden, but about the fruit in the tree in the middle of the garden, God said you must not eat it or touch it or you will die. And here comes Satan other view of wisdom. No, you will certainly not die, the serpent said to the woman. In fact, God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Did you see it? Two alternative views of reality. God says it is wise to submit to my word. Satan says, it is wise to be your own king. And listen, friends, Satan is a master of counterfeit wisdom. So, at least in my mind, that raises a question. Why would the Lord say that it is wise to submit to him, to obey his commands? Why does he make himself in charge? Why is that wise? Is God on some kind of cosmic ego trip? where he needs us to follow him so that he feels good about himself? Well, no, not at all. Actually, as you read scripture, you begin to learn that God calls us to submit to him because he knows that it is in our best interest. God asks us to follow his path because he wants what is best for us. Uh, James describes this idea, um, or I'm sorry, continue on in Proverbs chapter two. Look at the next verse there, verse number six. For the Lord gives wisdom, for from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. 
Verse 7, he stores up success for the upright. Hmm. He is a shield for those who live with integrity so that he may guard the paths of justice and protect the ways of his faithful followers. Then you will understand righteousness, justice, integrity, and every good path. You see what's going on here. The Lord is saying, hey, generally, generally, when you follow my path, when you submit to my word, my favor will be upon your life. Things will go better for you. He will guide us and protect us when we are following his path of wisdom. Now, don't misunderstand me. This doesn't mean that if you follow the Lord that your life will be filled with rainbows and unicorns or rainbow puking uniforms. And I'm not sure why that's a thing, but it is. No, no, that's not what saying what is being said here. It is saying that we have all seen the devastating and unpleasant fruit of following the devil's version of wisdom. Have we not? Have you not tasted that in your own life when you reject God's path of wisdom and go down Satan's path of wisdom and you taste the bitterness of that? Uh, the Apostle James says it this way. James chapter 3, verse number 14. If you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and look at that next phrase, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. So ungodly wisdom, devilish wisdom, brings about bad results. On the other hand, James continues, verse number 17, the wisdom that is from above, it's pure and peace-loving and gentle and compliant, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering without pretense, and the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Wow, what a contrast. The idea is this, there is a strong connection between the fruit in our lives and the source of our wisdom. There is a strong connection between the fruit that is produced in our lives and the source of our wisdom. So here's the question that I want us to all very thoughtfully consider. First of this, what fruit is present in your life? What fruit is present in your life? Is your life more characterized by purity, peace, gentleness, mercy, sincerity, or by bitterness, envy, pride, selfish ambition? I mean, that's the, that's the contrast that James is drawing there. If it's the first one, praise the, praise the Lord. I think that means that you're seeking with your life imperfectly, but really seeking in your life to pursue the path of true wisdom. But if your life is more marked by the latter, envy and bitterness and selfishness and pride, if those are the hallmarks, the characteristics of your life, let me kindly ask you this question. Is it possible that you have unwittingly swallowed one of Satan's counterfeit versions of wisdom. Oh, he is so crafty. 
He is so deceitful and he would like nothing more than to destroy your life by helping you to embrace a false view of wisdom. Let me say it this way, bad fruits come from bad roots. And if the fruit in your life is, is envy and selfishness and pride, then perhaps you have been duped by the master duper, Satan himself. But there's hope for all of us. There is hope that no matter where you're at in your life, even if you have been sowing seeds of foolishness, you can begin to reap a good harvest if you sow some new seeds. There is hope for us to all be truly wise, and it has nothing to do with your educational level or your IQ. Listen to what God's word says that gives us all hope to be wise. Isaiah chapter 66, verse number two. But this... This is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. Right now, you can get on the path to wisdom by humbling yourself before the Lord and submitting to his word. Listen to this statement. Those with the most wisdom in God's eyes are those who are most submitted to God's word. If you want to be truly wise, get yourself under the word of God. Begin to submit to it because he is the one who is speaking to you through it. True wisdom comes from God and his word alone. But those aren't the only reasons we should seek after true wisdom. Number three is this, the impact of, reason, of wisdom. We should seek and share the wisdom of God because of the effect that it has on us. Look again at the text, verse number 10 or 9. Then you will understand righteousness and justice and equity, every good path. Now hone on here in verse number 10. It's, it's so important to what we're going to be saying. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Man, I love that idea. You see, when you begin to pursue true wisdom, when you seek after God's wisdom, it begins to find its way into your heart. It works its way through the cracks and crevices and dark corners of your life and finds its way down into your very soul. Here's the idea. Wisdom does not just change what you know, it changes who you are. I love this concept. You know, perhaps an illustration will, will help us capture this idea. Have you ever worked with super glue? I have on countless occasions. I have eight children and so we break things constantly. So we, we have little tubes of super glue and without fail, no matter how careful I am with that little tube, I can be gluing a candlestick back together or fixing some mangled toy or whatever it is. No matter how careful I am, I always find at the end, I say something like this. Well, there, man, that project is completed. Why does, why does my finger feel so funny? Oh, man, I got glue it. Oh, man, and I got glue over here, too. For some reason, super glue is made to, like, it finds its way onto every little surface. And, and I think that's what uh, Solomon is saying here about wisdom, is that when we begin to use wisdom in our life, it starts to be sticky. 
it gets into our lives in ways that we may not expect. I think that's a wonderful truth. Not only will wisdom begin to shape what you know, it will begin to shape your very character. So the person who used to love to listen to their own counsel or win the argument at every cost or indulge their flesh or vent their anger begins to become a person that finds those things distasteful because wisdom has begun to filter down into their life. And the Bible even goes so far to say in verse number 10 that wisdom becomes pleasant to them. It becomes something that they long for. Look at verse number 10 again. For wisdom will come into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. Man, I know for some of you, living a life of true wisdom, that is a life of, of radical submission to the Lord, to humbly obeying his commands in every way that you possibly can can seem a little bit uncomfortable. And I, I think of some of the young people and the teenagers who right now are, are finding their independence and rules and restrictions. They, they feel like bondage to them. But, but let, me, let me encourage you. What the Bible is saying here is that once wisdom gets a foothold in your life, once you begin to submit to God's word, once you begin to grow in true wisdom, it becomes pleasant to you. Or if I could put it very succinctly, wisdom, in one sense, is an acquired taste. You know, a couple years ago, um, just for health reasons, I was like, man, I am drinking too much Coke, and I want to cut back on that. So my wife went out to the store and she bought some sparkling water. Man, when I first had that stuff, I was like, this is terrible. What human being would intentionally ingest this into their body? It is awful. But, but I stayed at it. In fact, I have one here today. And, and uh, LaCroix, Key Lime, that's a uh, free commercial for you, LaCroix. You can pay us royalties later. Um, but now, I, I, I drank it and I kept drinking it, and actually, now, I, I quite enjoy it. Mm. Key lime is my favorite. It's really good. Mm. See, a couple years ago, that would have been disgusting to me. But now, it's actually something that I look forward to. I like the taste of it. It has become pleasant to me. And I think the analogy is very fitting there. That the more that you begin to pursue God's wisdom, the more walking in that wisdom becomes pleasant to your soul. Look, I understand that obedience to the Lord can be a scary thing. But trust me, and more importantly, trust the Lord. The more that you walk in wisdom, the more that you will find joy in doing so. Let's be people who allow God's word to get into our heart and not just change what we do, not just change what we know, but fundamentally change what we want. It changes our character. Let's be people of true wisdom. Finally, and briefly, there's one more reason why we should seek after wisdom, and it's the protection of wisdom. Look at verse number 11. Discretion will watch over you. Understanding will guard you. 
delivering you from the way of evil, from men of perverted speech, who forsake the paths of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness, who rejoice in doing evil and delight in the perverseness of evil, men whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. Simply put, when we walk in wisdom, we are protected from many of the devastating consequences of sin. That's one of the blessings of pursuing wisdom with our life. We're protected from some of the bad things that happen to those who will not follow after God's way. Look, wisdom will guard your marriage from adultery. Wisdom will protect the teenager from making a life-devastating, altering, foolish choice. It cautions against rash financial decisions. It pervert, preserves relationships. It helps us unnecessarily avoid burning bridges. Listen, wisdom serves to protect the future you from the consequences of foolish choices from the present you. That's what wisdom does. Wisdom helps us to look at the moment and say, what is going to happen? What is the result of this going to be? What is going to be the consequence of going my own, way, my own way? And avoid that by trusting in God's wisdom. To put it very plainly, wisdom both guides and guards. Wisdom is a blessing because of that. Man, the fact that God has given us his word and even the fact that God has given us commands to obey and principles to follow is an expression of his love for his people. He calls us to wisely follow him, not because he's mean, not because he has some sort of power trip, but because he cares about us and he wants what is best for us. Have you ever been bumper bowling? I mean, this phenomenon is, is somewhat unreal to me. So you go bowling, and usually when a child will go, these little bumpers pop up down the, down the sides of the lane. And what it prevents the, the ball from doing is going off to the side. So it keeps the ball kind of in the middle. These bumpers don't allow the ball to have a devastating score so that every time you hit a pin or two. Uh, it, it's a wonderful thing if you're a terrible bowler or if you're a little kid. But, but here's the thing. Bumpers do not make you a great bowler. But what they do do is they prevent you from going in the gutter. And in many ways, that is the function of wisdom in our life. Wisdom, following God's principles, will not, it, it doesn't spell out exactly what the perfect choices are in every single situation. But if we seek wholeheartedly and earnestly to follow God's wisdom, it will prevent us from making catastrophic choices that would dishonor God and hurt other people and mar the name and reputation of Jesus. We need to seek after wisdom because wisdom protects us. It is God's evidence of his care and love for his people by laying out wisdom in his word. So you might hear all this and think, Ryan, I'm with you. I want to seek and share wisdom. But is that even possible? I mean, I've made some pretty foolish choices in my life. I haven't been the parent that I should have been. I haven't been the grandparent that I should have been. I haven't been the friend that I should have been. I've made so many bad choices. Can a person like me really be wise? Well, the answer is, praise the Lord, yes. Because 
we don't have to create the capacity for wisdom ourselves. Look at God's word over in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse number 30, where the Bible beautifully says this. You are in Christ, who became for us wisdom from God. And that's a beautiful, beautiful truth from God's word. To put it simply, because of the work of Jesus, on behalf of all of those who trust in him, we can become wise through our relationship with him. Jesus has become to us the wisdom of God. And because of that, because of Jesus, because of his sacrifice on our behalf, his resurrection for us, and the fact that his life is now in us, because of him, you can, you can submit to God's word. You can obey God's wise commands. You can follow God's wise Holy Spirit in Christ. In Christ, even fools can become wise. It doesn't matter your track record. It doesn't matter if you think you're an intellectual person or not. It doesn't matter what's going on in our world right now. If you have trusted in the finished work of Christ on your behalf and the Holy Spirit dwells inside of you, you can open up God's word and see the wisdom of God and live in obedience to his truth. What a wonderful, wonderful, hope-filled thing that Jesus has done for us. Jesus didn't just die to rescue us from our sins. Amen. He did that and praise the Lord. But Jesus died so that his people would be truly wise. He is for us the wisdom of God. So what does that look like practically? How do we live out this wisdom? I told you my point was very simple this morning, that we should seek wisdom and we should share wisdom. So I want to close with just two very practical ways that we can do that. Let me start by seeking wisdom. If we're to be wise people, church, let me say this so, so plainly. We must get in the word. Gospel, hope, church. We cannot obey what we do not know. There is no way we can follow God's directives for his wisdom if we are not people of the word. Read the Bible. Listen to podcasts. Read good Christian books. There are so many resources out there today. There is no reason for someone not to expose themselves to biblical truth. There is so many opportunities. If you don't know where to start, please come and talk to Pastor Rod or myself or your community group leader. We would love to show you some places where you can get into God's word better. Let Gospel Hope Church be known be known as a group of people who are word-saturated. When you squeeze us, the word of God drips out of us because we are so full of God's word because we want to be wise in God's eyes. And second, share the wisdom of God. What's your conversation known for? I mean, honestly, what do people know you to talk about? Parents, what do your children believe that you love? Young person, what dominates your heart and mind and your thoughts? Coworker, employee, huh? when you're standing at the water cooler or when you're on a lunch break, what do you talk about? Let me challenge each one of us to take a very practical and strategical and intentional move this week and say, let me have at least one, one 
word-centered, Christ-focused conversation this week. You say, well, Pastor Ryan, that might be awkward for me. Great. When we're learning to ride a bike, we were awkward at first, but we get the hang of it in time. So let's try to have specific conversations about the wisdom of God and speak and share God's wisdom. Oh, gospel hope. My longing for this body of believers is not that we would be impressive. It's not that we would be well thought of. My longing, my longing is that we would be truly wise in God's sight. And what that means is that we are under his word, submitted to it, seeking it, and sharing it with others. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that, that Jesus became the wisdom of God on our behalf. And because of him, because of him, we not only see wisdom, but we have been freed to pursue it. I pray that this body of believers would be a group of people who consistently seek and share your wisdom. I pray for our fathers, that they would be the primary spiritual influence in their children's lives. I pray for mothers and grandparents and uncles and aunts, that we would consistently speak the truth to the next generation. I pray for the brothers and sisters that have not yet come to faith in Jesus. I pray that you would use this congregation to speak to them the wonderful wisdom of God. Lord, make us wise. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray.